There's a reason it's called Bitcoin and everything else is an altcoin because Bitcoin is king and everything else tries to mimic it, tries to use similar technology, similar ideas, and they just don't do it as well. That's why Bitcoin is a commodity. Everything else is a security. In order for big money, right, to come into ETH 2.0, they have to see if it actually works. Towards end of the year, before Christmas, is usually when crypto pumps anyways. That's when we'll really see a rally or we'll see what's going to happen with heat. Alright, what's going on guys? Welcome back. Another episode. As always, we're back again. We got some alpha for you guys. Make sure you drop a like, subscribe, share what you learn, but never share your seed phrase. Today we got an episode full of some new stuff. Doodles raised $54 million. Uh, Artifact is hinting at LeBron coming on board. We got, what else we got? Crypto has taken a big dump. Ethereum merge is happening by the time you watch this video. And who knows if we're in Gulag Island or up somewhere, uh, <laughs> my all time highs, but we're going to talk a lot. Of, we're going to talk about a lot. So let's dive right into it. If you guys are interested in finding a way how to make money with zero down, make sure you stick to the end of the podcast. We're going to be talking about the best way to generate some cash with no upfront cost to you right now in the crypto space. What's going on, guys? What's up? Good, man. Chilling. Uh, dude, I'm all about the Solana domain names right now. I just want to fucking talk about it now. Like, I just, you know, I, I totally aped in the other day on the Solana domain names. So for those who don't know, Solana domain names or SNS is basically the new Ethereum domain names. You know, when there was a whole hype of Ethereum, everyone was buying these four-digit, you know, like 1234.eth, and they're selling for like, Fifty thousand uh, dollars. Uh, I think it was point zero 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 dot ETH sold for like three hundred ETH uh, a few months ago. That's so like I mean, yeah. So yeah, it's didn't like Nike thing. sell for that much too? Amazon, all of those ENS domains. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so what's, what what layers go? What layer one is doing well, and that's Solana, and that's like I feel like on the come up, and I'm like, and the difference is though, Solana's gas fees are so small. Uh, it probably costs around twenty dollars to mint a single SNS domain uh, name, and what you need to have is uh, their uh, crypto token FIDA because you can mint on a website called Bonfida, Bonfida, however you pronounce it, and then you need the token, so you'll be able to swap that out on like a Radium or Jupiter for like Solana to uh, FIDA, which it costs about around twenty dollars worth of FIDA to mint a single SNS domain name. And then you need about 0. 0.07 Solana, which is, I guess, at the current price of Solana is around $2. Like 10 bucks. So, oh, wow. It's so much cheaper to use than uh, Ethereum. And you could have a chance to get a domain name that potentially will be, you know, in demand in the future. So, all uh, right. I, I mean, think- let's let's set the scene here. Like, we know this environment. We know what the ecosystem is like. In order to make money in crypto and NFTs and Web three, you have to be early. So we're late on ENS. We know that we're seeing million dollar sales of ENS domains. Stupid shit like ooo.eth, right? Like that's selling for half a million dollars right now. We're fucking late on that. So let's move on from ENS. There's a huge opportunity in SNS, and that's because Solana is, in my opinion, way more attractive to be mass adopted. So SNS domains right now, I think there's about 200,000 SNS domains. For ENS, there's about 2 million. So that's the comparison of what markets we're working with, right? So we're fucking early on SNS. I would look into some like 
company names to buy for SNS domains. Like I was, what was I looking at? I was looking at like funny names, like don't drink a gallon of milk dot soul or just shit like that, that you can blend. <laughs> like just stupid shit, like Billy Ray Cyrus dot soul. Like it's so worth it to look into it right now because of how early we are. And the good news is, let's say you coin an SNS domain that's like for a big brand like Nike. That's taken, but let's use that example. Nike.soul. And Nike's not into Solana right now, right? So you might not get a huge offer yet. But the good news is whether you wait one month or six months or six years, you do not have to pay to renew that domain name, which you do for ENS, right? So you can hold on to your SNS domain for as long as you want with no additional cost and then make a flip when the timing is right. So I think this is a perfect opportunity in a bear market to start building your opportunities and watch them explode in the bull run again. Alex, walk me through how much you spent what domain names you bought and what are you looking to get out of the whole Solana SNS ecosystem that just dropped? Yeah, so I probably paid around a total of after gas and everything and minting these domain names, total of four hundred dollars equivalent. Okay. So nothing crazy, but I got around I bought around I think fourteen domain names and what I did was I was like, okay, what's available? What could potentially be worth a lot one day? as you know, Solana becomes more popular and more people integrate Solana into like a potential payment system. And I looked at what sport teams are available. They're at domain names. So for example, at NHL Blackhawks, at NHL Bruins, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, they're at domain names. I bought all those, you know, because I was like, all right, you know, if the day comes where Solana pay, which is their infrastructure payment system that they're building becomes very popular. And let's say, you know, we saw in the past, you know, Dallas Maverick accept Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Imagine when sports team starts incorporating Solana as payment for like tickets or merchandise. So you're going to send to buy a ticket to at NHLBlackhawks.soul to buy a ticket. So I look at it this way in the future that this could be a potential, you know, big move as, you know, the domain name becomes in demand. So to answer your question, what I want to sell it for, probably a few hundred K, man. I I don't know. I, I definitely feel like it's worth it, you know, because I, I'm looking at the long-term application of crypto. It's not like you're buying just their simple website. Solana domain names have so much more utility to it. You know, you could attach your Twitter handle to your Solana domain name, which could verify, you know, your wallet address, but also could verify your socials as well. And I could take that one step further to the social media aspect is that what's happening is there's a lot of decentralized Web3 social media companies on the come up. And what is happening is instead of having to like create different platforms where you have to shift your followers. Let's say you have a million followers on like a YouTube version of Web3. You're not going to be able to shift those followers to currently like the Facebook right now, but through Web3, you can make that shift. And so basically having the salon domain name is like the one-stop shop to all the social media platforms where you can still reach all your current following. And it all transfers over. So I think it's a huge play. I feel like the utility is is just the tip of the iceberg. We have we have we're going to see a lot more development. Agreed, agreed. I think also what's interesting is um, Starbucks. So like we're talking about mass adoption. Starbucks just launched their NFT, and they're not calling it an NFT, which is really interesting. They're calling it their rewards program, right? So I think that's the new model that we're going to be seeing as these big names come into the space. Starbucks sponsor us, but um, Starbucks. 
<laughs> As you see these big names coming into Web3, I mean, Polygon's already gotten Coke and Disney. Now they have Starbucks. Um, you're going to see more integration. Like Starbucks isn't telling their base like, oh, buy this NFT. Like here's our rewards program. Sure, it uses blockchain technology, but you don't need to know that. You don't need to interface with that. Like you don't need to know about the tech behind it. And most consumers don't give a fuck about the tech. Like I don't know how Instagram is running on my phone. That's not important. The fact is that it's running and it works, right? So I think you're going to see the integration happen a lot more casually rather than these big announcements that put a lot of consumers off. Like most people don't know about NFTs. Most people don't know about crypto. It makes it inaccessible when you have a huge announcement like that. And people are like, well, now I have to learn this new thing. No, you don't. You just have to use what we've developed and we use new tech for it. And that's as simple as that. Yeah, like Starbucks and Matic loyalty announcement is probably the most boring but revolutionary thing I see personally. And here's why, like one of the biggest knocks against crypto right now is obviously the skepticism and like the pyramid scheme vibes, right? Like everything is just based off speculation and nothing's an actual proven product. So that's probably one of the main reasons why Starbucks never even wanted to announce in the first place and go all in on it. But what they are doing is the boring part is like, hey, it's a loyalty program. You can make points and obviously you're getting reward for buying for us. But I think the cool thing, the revolutionary thing is obviously we don't know Starbucks' intention. It's not like they're coming in mid bull run where NFT sales are all time high. So we know we know the finances isn't the main thing. So like I was asking myself, okay, if it's not that, then what is it? And what I personally think it is, is intraprobability of crypto. Meaning if you take a look at all the companies we have right now in the real world, right? They're all based off like, hey, you buy with us, you get points with us, but you can't spend it anywhere else and you can only spend it on XYZ. Take, for example, Chase. Chase has deals with them like, hey, if you go through Chase and spend money through Chase, you get X amount of coupons, offers to, let's say, Starbucks or Amazon, so on and so forth. So what I think Starbucks is trying to do is pretty much create a system where companies can actually use points from one company and actually spend it everywhere else. Meaning if you're a Starbucks customer, you get to own the NFT, right? You buy the NFT or whatever they want to call it. You spend money and that NFT value builds up. Why? Because as you spend money, that NFT metadata is getting added up and saying, hey, this guy spent $10,000 on this NFT. So the perks of it is a lot more than somebody who's only spent $1,000 a year, right? And then that same NFT, the value gets driven up Two, you can actually maybe start using it somewhere else. You'll say, hey, Chase, I spent $10,000 at Starbucks. Can I go ahead and get a credit line? Hey, Amazon, can I get a discount for coming from a Starbucks, right? So I think that's what they're betting on is the actual system and the open system of being able to share the loyalty programs versus what we have now, which is like pretty boring. You can only spend money or you only get reward for the money you spend with one company versus getting it with all companies. What do you guys think on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's important to look at how it works technically and strategically, like what's going on. But I think for most people in crypto, they don't really care about that, right? They're here for the money-making opportunities. And there's a big one right here that we haven't talked about yet. So Polygon is being adopted by huge, huge mega corporations. Like I said, Disney, Starbucks, Coke. What does that mean? There's huge potential for growth. Right now we're in a bear market. Polygon, you can get on sale. 
and you're going to watch that explode because if companies see Starbucks adopting Polygon, they're going to go into Polygon. It's starting a wave of momentum, right? And it's starting at a low price because that their corporations, that's what they do. They get in low, they build it up, and then it explodes. So right now, as a retail investor, I would look into Polygon as an investment. I think it's a sound investment. You're looking at all this re, uh, corporate investments into Polygon. That means it's a strong play. We also got to touch upon the reason why these companies are, you know, picking Polygon. One, it's significantly cheaper. It's faster than Ethereum. You know, just think about it. You, Disney, a lot of the people that go to Disney World are, you know, not, you know, probably not super wealthy. They're just average middle class or even below middle class uh, people living in America or around the world. And they can't really, they probably spend their whole year saving up just to take their children to Disney World. So if they were going to buy a Disney NFT, you know, they're not going to be spending $100, $200 worth of gas just so they could buy their kid a Mickey Mouse NFT. That's not going to happen. So that's why these companies are taking, picking Polygon so they could be able to be able to use these, this protocol and software for the common man. It's cheaper. So like anyone, regardless of your societal uh, economic background, you know, you're going to be able to get in because this is going to be relatively affordable for all people. So here's a question then, because Solana's main selling point, for me at least, is that it has low gas fees, it's faster, it's cheaper, right? If Polygon can do that, isn't Polygon going to take out Solana because it's built on Ethereum, which has already more adoption than Solana does, higher market cap than Solana does. So would Polygon in a year from now take over as the cheaper, faster source rather than Solana? It's possible, but I still think, you know, Solana is, is the cheapest, one of the cheapest to use. I mean, you pay a fraction of a penny per transaction. It's like micro cents. And it's it's really, it's very fast. If you ever use Solana and you send from wallet to wallet, it's almost instantaneous. Um, but I, I think what people don't realize is the amount of DeFi that is about to pop up in Solana. You know, everyone experience, a lot of people experience DeFi uh, summer for Ethereum in 2020. But what people don't realize is the amount of DeFi protocols being built on Solana is substantial. And, you know, while we have not seen the Solana summer yet, but I think that eventually will come. I don't know if it'll be a Solana spring, Solana winter, or next summer will be Solana summer. But Solana DeFi will happen and there is a potential very large money opportunity. I'm extremely bullish and it's just keeping your ear to the ground to hear and figure out which you know protocols are being built, you know, bar and lending protocols that will be prevalent in the Solana ecosystem. Yeah, like for me personally, like when you talk about okay, who, what are people going to spend more? I don't think it's going to be any of them. Like I don't think any cryptocurrency, as like Solana or Matic, unless it's a stable coin, is going to be an actual currency that people are spending in real life. I think that's stupid, right? What I think is going to happen is whatever crypto coin right actually builds or solves specific problems that people have fun using and it's easy to use that's going to be the coin that's actually going to take over because cheaper fees is not something people are looking for like people complain about eth all the time well guess what they're still spending eth all the time right so it's not like people are looking for a problem that solves cheaper fees if you don't want fees just keep using cash like you don't need crypto right so that's not the problem it's more about like what tech is actually going to build something exciting and it actually going to have exciting companies built on it that's going to solve real problems that people would want to be like you know what let me go ahead and invest into this because i need matic for example 
in order to go to Disney, or I need Matic to experience this one roller coaster at Disney. It's not going to be, hey, I want Matic because it's cheaper and quicker. Yeah, I mean, no surprise here. I totally disagree with you. Um, I think I've said this before, but I think we operate in a bit of a vacuum because we're in the United States, right? We have financial privilege. We have a relatively stable banking system, right? Almost the majority of countries in Africa do not have a stable banking system. So I think crypto creates access to a stable financial system that does not rely on any government because, you know, the governments there are corrupt. They don't function properly. They steal money. They hide funds. Crypto solves that problem. You're talking about solving a problem. The biggest problem is that there are people that are unbanked in this world. Millions of people are unbanked in this world. And that's the social and humanitarian value of crypto is it's banking the bankless. And it's doing it in a decentralized way so no one can stop it. I mean, look at what Cardano is doing. They're literally going to these countries, looking at the infrastructures they have and trying to improve them using crypto. Like, I remember reading about how some people in, I don't remember which country, but a country in Africa, their currency is so unstable that they don't use it to buy things with. Instead, they buy like, you know, like points or like credit to call internationally. They use those cards, those international calling cards as currency right now. So you need to put this into perspective and what's going on in the financial system in the world not just the United States or EU countries. Yeah, but that that that's still, it's not like people need to buy Solana or Matic to do that, though. That's why stable coins are for. So that's what I'm saying. People aren't going to buy specific coins because they need to spend them. They're going to buy specific coins because they need to get access or gain something from them. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be a further advocate for Solana because they have their Solana phone coming out. Solana phone coming out. So this is where it gets to the people of, you know, that are, are bankless. Is that right? Crypto is not exactly user-friendly right now. And it's not, you know, so like, and having a Solana phone will probably create, you know, decentralized applications, being able to have developers build simplified applications that make crypto user-friendly. So that's what Solana is doing. They're trying to integrate, you know, the current in real life, uh, you know, environment, but also incorporate it with crypto and Web3. And that's why I think the Solana phone is going to be extremely uh, valuable and it could appeal to a lot of people that are, like you said, pretty so bankless. And uh, so that's why I'm, I'm very bullish on Solana. They have a lot of things in the work. The Solana phone is going to be uh, it's going to be big time. And it's, I think it's going to make crypto uh, more mainstream and help a lot of people get onboarded. Yeah, maybe. But I don't see iPhone users switching to a Solana phone. I don't care how big of a whale you are. Oh, yeah. You're not getting well, a well, listen, You don't have to switch. You can have both. A lot of people use Androids in this world. I mean, yeah, when iPhones are phone, user friendly. I just, people like us use iPhones, but the majority of people in the world, I believe, are Android users. And that's what Solana is building is for Android yeah, users. So, true. like you said, you know, do you, I mean, people in Africa are going to be, you know, if they onboard a lot of people to use Solana phones in Africa, I mean, they're going to be using the Solana payment system, Solana Pay. Uh, they're going to be using Solana-based apps. So there you go. You have DeFi apps being built on the Solana phone where they could conduct you know, transactions, borrowing, and lending. So I'm extremely bullish on Solana. Uh, I'm definitely going to, you know, I'm, it's one of my biggest uh, holdings and my biggest conviction plays because I see what they're building, who's backing it, uh, they, the, what they're trying to incorporate with the current, you know, Web2 uh, in real life uh, infrastructure to now. So I, I definitely see a lot of value in them.
Yeah. All right, guys, I have a question for you. Hope you're ready. Hit us. I think it's clear we're all bullish on Web3. We're all bullish on crypto. And because of that, sometimes we're operating in a vacuum. The average person doesn't know what crypto is. And the people who do know what crypto is don't really get it. They just have heard of it. They can tell you there's Bitcoin and Ethereum. They don't really know what it is, though, and why it's valuable. They know what NFTs are, but they think they're JPEGs, right? The reality is I was having a conversation with my friend who actually works at a very big investment bank. And he was saying most people think they truly believe crypto is dead. Crypto was a fad. It was a get rich quick scheme. Um, NFTs were also a fad. They were just a JPEG, a type of social flex for really wealthy people. And looking at the data, it doesn't look good, guys. Like after the CPI announcement recently, I think it was a few days ago, um, surprise, surprise, inflation has not slowed down. CPI was not a good report this time, right? And the crypto market in response to that dropped below $1 trillion. For perspective, the S&P market cap is about $35 trillion. Right now, crypto is below $1 trillion, Okay. Even Elon fucking Musk sold all his Bitcoin. It's not looking good for crypto. And that's the reality, no matter how bullish we are, right? I, we haven't seen mass adoption yet. And crypto has been around for over 10 years. That doesn't look so good either. And brutally low NFT volume sales. It dropped 70% from the all-time high. And, you know, we're all on Twitter. We're all on crypto Twitter, NFT Twitter, we see literally the low, the lowest engagement we've ever seen. A lot of usernames, a lot of big players and commentators are not active anymore because they think it's dead. There's no value in it anymore, right? So my question to you guys, give me your best argument in defense of why crypto is not dead, will never be dead, and is not a scam. Alex, go first. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to give a most recent example of why crypto is not dead and why, you know, there's conviction and people believe in this space. So Fidelity's Citadel Securities, Charles Schwab, is launching a Bitcoin and crypto exchange called EDS Markets, and it's set to be a powerhouse exchange with large amounts of liquidities backing it. For those who don't know, Citadel Securities is one of the biggest market making firms in the world. They uh, control a crap ton of assets. They're a massive fund. And so when you see companies like that, that have been around for many years and have been very successful and thrive through different market conditions, and then now they're stepping into the crypto space, it just shows that mass adoption is, com mass adoption is coming. People believe in this and being in a bear market is the best time to build, is the best time to get involved because you're not buying at its peak. You're able to buy you know, these digital assets at a relatively reasonable price which is gonna allow them to basically fill up the reserves of their future exchange, which will then, when it becomes more popular, it's gonna be, you know, they're gonna have more enough liquidity to be sustainable. Yeah, Alex, I like that take, but honestly, I want you to go deeper. Like you're saying buzzwords, mass adoption, utility, you're dropping big names like Fidelity. We've heard these things before, right? Mass adoption is coming. When the fuck is it coming? We've been waiting for over 10 years. When is it coming? I want to know why you think it's coming. And I don't want to hear about huge institutional investors because we need to see consumer behavior change in order for mass adoption to happen. You can have huge whales, huge institutional investors come in, 
dump a bunch of money into it like they did for a lot of other industries and they still fail despite all the money backing behind it. What is the consumer behavior that's going to change? That's going to create mass adoption. Honestly, I personally think we're three to five years away before it, crypto starts becoming just, uh, you know, prevalent and used by the masses. I think we're still have some ways to go because we lack uh, insurance to crypto. So if you mess up or you send, you know, somebody you get hacked, nothing is backing that. And I feel like that's going to push a lot of people away. It's like if someone steals money from my credit card information or my bank, you know, I get reimbursed. We don't have that in crypto yet. So until that happens, we're, we're not going to see mass adoption. Uh, but the technology is sound, right? We have different blockchains that are significantly faster and more efficient than our current payment system. And it's significantly cheaper. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to start seeing all these payment systems start integrating the blockchain and these layer ones that are significantly faster than their current system, which will essentially be an upgrade to their current payment system. So I feel like, you know, that will be one of the catalysts for the bull and that's another bull market, but also mass adoption where people are going to be using the blockchain without even being truly aware of it, aware of it. I'll tell you why crypto is not going nowhere. If you think crypto is going somewhere at Here's why it's not. Crypto has been around for 10 years. Our financial system has been around since the beginning of time, right? For something that's 10 years old to compete with something that's since the beginning of time and making this much noise, meaning it's a disruptor, right? And we know anytime there's a disrupting technology, obviously it, one, has a lot of issues. Two, it takes a good amount of time to solve those problems. Three, it needs regulation. So until those things happen, it's going to be very far out until we actually see mass adoption, quote unquote. But what is mass adoption, right? Are we going to use it as a currency? Are we going to use it as a utility? Are we going to use, like, what are we looking to use it for? And that's what we haven't decided yet in terms of crypto. That's why it's not mass adoption. But again, in the 10 years that crypto has been around, we've seen this happen over and over and over again. Bitcoin went from $100 to $2,000. Blackstone wasn't in here. Coinbase wasn't here. Then Bitcoin went from $2,000 to $20,000. FTX wasn't here. Now they're a $32 billion company, right? It went from $20,000 to $60,000. Now you had a, a, a literally a crypto company selling JPEGs, NFTs, get valued for $4 billion. So where is this for? Where are these billions coming from? They're not coming from crypto companies and they're not coming from crypto millionaires. They're coming from real life companies, Google, right? So A16Z, whatever these finance firms are, like crypto is not going nowhere. And we know this is just a boring time, meaning there's work being done, right? And until that work's being done, we're not going to see another bill. So let me ask you, Mo, I'll ask both of you guys this question. I said three to five years before, you know, there's mass adoption. That's my honest opinion. Mo, what do you, I'll start with you, Mo. What do you think is like the time frame? If you have to say, it's honestly your opinion. It's, it's hard to tell because again, it's mass adoption for what? Like if you were to ask somebody, what do you use crypto for? There's no answer, right? So if you're waiting for, for crypto to be mass adoption, what you should be looking for is like, what is the main problem and the quickest thing that's clear cut, black and white, that crypto can be used for, right? I see as subscription. So as we see more companies, like let's say Amazon comes out and says, hey, we're going to launch NFTs and we're going to launch specific crypto initiative that's going to allow Amazon holders to stack up loyalty points like Starbucks does and do X, Y, and Z, then that's going to be one step towards mass adoption. But mass adoption doesn't just happen over a day. It's, it's going to take eight, 10, 12 months. Like I remember I started entrepreneurship selling door-to-door -door solar, right? And they were telling us, yo, 
mass adoption is coming. I was like, when? Like, I'm selling three deals a day. Like, people are still telling me, no, I don't know what solar is, right? Eight years later, now, there's a solar boom run. Like, people are actually now going crazy for getting solar because what? Recession, electricity's at all-time high. They want to save money. It's free. Biden's putting a bunch of money into it. So now the mass adoption point is coming. Why? Because now every time you go out there, instead of seeing one solar panel in a neighborhood on one house, you see five. And if there's 20 houses, well, that's 25% of your neighborhood that has solar panels. So it's the same exact thing. Like right now, if you take a look at people using crypto or actually just holding crypto, it's probably a very small percentage. Like if I were to go literally my family out of six people, I'm probably the only person holding crypto or knows anything about crypto, right? So until that number goes up and it goes up for a specific use case, then obviously mass adoption isn't going to happen. It's just going to take time to figure out where is or where are people going to go for crypto and what for? Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually hadn't thought about the fact that as an industry, we haven't clarified the best use case, right? There's a bunch of different use cases and they're all competing against each other and they're all very different, right? But for me, the answer to this question is a lot bigger than the specifics of the industry itself and the mechanics of the industry. For me, it's about an idea, right? Once an idea exists and people know about it, it's not gonna die. You can regulate however much you want. You can take funds away from the industry as much as you want. The, the idea still stands. And the idea is why can I text someone or email someone instantly? Why can I FaceTime someone halfway across the world within seconds and I can't send them money outside of nine to five Monday through Friday? Like it's an antiquated ass financial system. And the idea here is we're just going to apply the tech that we use all the time to make everything so fast, so instant, making global markets interact with each other. We're just going to apply that now into finance. Sure, we haven't figured out the best use case and the best way to mechanically do it, but that cat's out of the bag and it's not going back in. Yeah, I agree. So there's your answer. Crypto is not going nowhere and make sure you stick around. <laughs> You guys still didn't answer my question in terms of yours. So I'm a little salty. What was you know, your I question? I didn't answer it. I missed you it. You didn't say, you didn't give me a number. You didn't give me a number. Uh, in three to five years, I don't know. There is no answer. But I think in three years, we'll be a lot further than where we are now. Yeah, I think crypto is very beta right now, obviously. We're like, we're in beta stage. Like, we're in the stage where, like, internet was just, like, Wikipedia, right? Just looking at websites. Like, sure, it's cool and it's, like, more convenient, but it's not very clear how useful it is. Um, I think probably in 10 years, you'll see mass adoption only because the tech is so complex and it takes a lot of time to develop properly. I think in 10 years, crypto will be just as big as of a market cap as the S&P 500. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and that, I that'll be mass adoption. Yeah, like yeah and I think a lot it of might even happen quicker, honestly. Quicker than 10 years? Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, we've seen $2 trillion. Like, during the bull run, market cap for crypto hit, like, what, $3 trillion, I think, for the first time. That happened in eight months. So imagine that plus mass adoption plus, like, real commercial use case plus all the big companies saying, yo, crypto, crypto, crypto. Here's why you should buy it. Hmm. $32 trillion is not a lot of money. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
All right, other the other thing coming up this week, you guys, ETH merge. The big hyped up event that we've been talking about for two fucking years is happening tomorrow, September 15th. Is it overhyped? Let me know. So by the, yeah, by the time by the time this goes out, yeah, ETH merge has already happened. It's probably going to be a week since then. And is it overhyped? Okay, so I wouldn't say it's overhyped. I think it's a monumental moment, obviously, in crypto history. But I think the big question is like, okay, should people be buying or trading, right? The ETH merge, like what's going to happen short term to the ETH price? Yesterday, obviously, we've seen a huge dub because of the CPI numbers coming out a little bit higher than expected. So short term, I think ETH 2.0 is already priced in. Right. Everybody knows about it. Short term traders already understand that, hey, it's kind of like buy the rumors, sell the news type of thing. Right. And I think the sell off yesterday with the CPI already started initiating that. I think we see another sell off. But what people aren't talking about is the real institutional big money. Right. That's not coming in for short term. That's coming in for long term. In order for big money, right, to come into ETH 2.0, they have to see if it actually works. We're not going to be able to tell if it actually works until a few months after the merge happens. So I think towards end of the year before Christmas is usually when crypto pumps anyways. That's when we'll really see a rally or we'll see what's going to happen with ETH. Because the first month we already know there's probably going to be new scams coming out. Like NFTs are going to, there's going to be duplicate chains, obviously duplicate NFTs on multi-chains. There's going to be a lot of new stuff. People don't even know how to work it, so on and so forth. But and so obviously ETH 2.0 is definitely a step forward because it's simple. It's turning deflationary, has staking rewards 8 to 12%. Uh, they have the triple halving event, and there's a much more to go to it. So I, I would, I don't see, if you're bullish on ETH now, I don't see why you wouldn't be more bullish on ETH later. I'm definitely bullish on it. But here, here's my question. is is Once this uh, transition to proof of stake happens, will it truly be decentralized? And this is, and, and I'm, the reason why I'm asking this question is, right, 52 or 53% of all the validator nodes, the majority staking services in the world are going to be on centralized exchanges like Coinbase, Kraken. And, you know, these exchanges are subjected to regulation and have to abide by local governmental rule. So going off of that, if they have to be controlled by the government and have to abide by regulation, in theory, Ethereum is not really decentralized because they have to follow the you know state state law. So, do you guys think that you know going off of that, do you think Ethereum will still really be considered decentralized, or that's more centralized now? I already think Ethereum is decentralized. It's pretty centralized. If you can pre-mine, you're centralized. You, like, I, of course, I'm a Bitcoin maxi, and there's a fucking reason. There's a reason it's called Bitcoin and everything else is an altcoin because Bitcoin is king and everything else tries to mimic it, tries to use similar technology, similar ideas, and they just don't do it as well. That's why Bitcoin is a commodity. Everything else is a security, right? Like, I think the answer is clear here. Once we see Ethereum being staked on huge centralized ex exchanges like FTX, Coinbase, Binance, it's game over. Like, decentralization is one of the key pillars of why this is so revolutionary. And we're just going to get rid of that with ETH. Like, also, like, the future of finance is ETH. I don't think so. The future of finance is $200 gas fees. I don't fucking think so. The future of finance is Bitcoin and other 
uh, chains that mirror Bitcoin and its utility. And just to put this into perspective, like the hype is not is not as strong as you think it is. It is the buy buy the rumor, sell the news craze right now, right? The biggest Ethereum merge staker, Lido Dow, just lost forty percent in one month. Everyone's dumping their ETH, okay? Um, Lido Dow is Ethereum's biggest staking service, and they've deposited over four point fourteen million in ETH on behalf of its users. So it's a matter of is there going to be a surge or a purge? And I think we're already seeing the purge happen. There's just not enough liquidity in the market right now for people to avoid the temptation of selling the news and not being in profit taking mode. Right. So that's just the reality of it. Selling the news is a huge tactic to make profits. And we're already seeing that. And my other point is. Everyone's like. ETH is upgrading, it's updating, it's going to be better, right? Sure, energy costs are going to go down by what, like 95%? That's great. I'm all for that. But ETH isn't going to be the only chain that improves their network, right? Everyone's going to be improving. Everyone's going to be updating. Maybe ETH is the first to do it in this time that we're in right now. But we're going to see this with other chains as well. They're all going to improve. They're all going to go into another echelon. It's not like ETH is like blowing everyone out of the water and no one else is going to innovate. And then secondly, ETH maxis are like uh, the proof of stake system is going to make ETH deflationary, right? But the design around locking up tokens, sure, it increases scarcity value. But if the strongest incentive for ETH is to lock up and stake your tokens, and hoard your tokens, innovation is going to move to other chains because no one's spending in ETH. They're just locking it up, right? They're going to move innovation to other chains. And the last thing, yes, proof of stake makes it more efficient. But like you said, it's going to be more centralized. So I think um, it's overhyped. It's centralized. And I don't think ETH is the future, but that's just me. But I want to hear your take if it's you think it's more centralized based going off of this transition. I want to hear your opinion on this. My opinion, like, sure, it is centralized, but it's like, who who's out here screaming decentralization? Like, decentralization, yeah. is, decentralization is obviously very important, but, like, imagine a government being decentralized. Who runs it? A bunch of clowns? Everybody just votes for their own selfish reasons. Like, every every... Every major institution needs some type of centralization because they're like leaders are leaders for a specific reason is they know how to think for the company, for the people more than they know how to think for themselves. Human beings are naturally selfish people. So when you say decentralized, all you're doing is you're getting decentralization. All it means is you get to have a voice in terms of what happens, but you're not making decisions. You never were making decisions. You just had a voice in terms of saying, hey, I'm here. I own something and I want to speak for what I own. But it, it's not saying like, hey, what you guys say is going to move us one way or another. Like there's a leader for a specific reason. It's always going to be like that. And there needs to be some type of centralization. Two, people are already used to ETH. It's like saying a company just like Apple with cooler branding comes out and tries to do a spinoff off the phone. Are they going to move? No, Apple releases the same phone 15 years in a row with a better camera and a bigger screen and faster battery and a better glass. Do people change? 
to another company, like Samsung released a phone that opens up sideways. It has a full screen. That's innovative. Did people change? No. Why? Because they're already used to it. So it's the same exact thing with ETH. Like people are already so used to it, used to using it. They're already like, it has a face, Vitalik. Like who's bigger than Vitalik in crypto? Gary V. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? So it's like, there's there's already a face. They're already using it. It's already adapted. It's pretty much the number two. And people are already talking about it being the number one over Bitcoin because Bitcoin isn't really doing anything besides storing of value as of now. So who's really going to beat it? Uh, I feel like, first of all, just because people are used to it right now is not a good argument for it lasting a long, long time. Um, I mean, like we have water, right? Regular H2O bottled water. We buy it all the time. 50 Cent invests millions into vitamin water. It has a huge boom. Everyone's drinking vitamin water. It's the coolest thing out there. You go to CVS after school, you get a vitamin water. Are you drinking vitamin water right now or are you drinking bottled water? No. Exactly. I'm drinking like, bottled water. Exactly. So just because... I'm used to it. Yeah, but I'm you're saying ETH is big because institutional investors are in it and people are used to it. Same thing happened with I'm vitamin water. I'm saying that's one of the reasons, yeah. Okay. So No, vitamin water is not new though. Vitamin water is new. That's what I'm saying. Okay, compare it this way, right? You have an iPhone. How long have you had an iPhone for? Forever. 10 years. Why? Why haven't you changed? Better camera than Androids? No, there's other cameras. No. Better text? So people internet? don't think that's pleasant? No. Battery? Samsung's better. So on and so forth. Yeah, because you're used to it. Because the brand image, right? The value of it, what it means to have ETH, what it, what you can do with ETH. You can't buy a fucking board Abe with Solano. You can't. <laughs> there's a reason for it. It's for ETH people. It's people who own ETH. It's, it's going to continue happening. It's just human psychology, human behavior. That's what you're playing on. Like nobody's going to switch their iPhone for a better camera. Why? Because I'm used to the iPhone and what my iPhone does for me. To my friends, to my people, I get blue texts. Wow. Like that's what people like iPhones for. Samsung literally competed for every utility on the iPhone. And they still haven't gained people to switch from iPhone to Samsung. Okay, but okay, one small mistake you're making is comparing the power of Ethereum and Vitalik to Apple. Apple controls consumer behavior more than Facebook. It controls consumer behavior in the United States more than any other brand I can think of, right? They've set a precedent. I don't think Ethereum has performed on that level, not even close to Apple's performance in their interaction with consumer behavior. Like Apple is good because their designs are sleek, right? It looks cool. You have the whole ecosystem of the AirPod headset and like your phone and your laptop. It all looks cool and integrated. That's what they did well. It's not because it's like great tech. I don't think E okay. is branding itself like that. But my well, second point to what you said is you are getting decentralization so wrong. Decentralization is not about people sitting around and be like, oh, well, I, I have some ETH, so let's make some decisions together. It's not about decision making at all. Decentralization is about regulation, being able to avoid being regulated. Bitcoin is the only thing that cannot be stopped by any government or any person. Like you said, once Ethereum goes to proof of stake, once Ethereum is on all centralized exchanges, it's going to have to adhere to the laws and regulations of the United States and other countries that it interfaces with. Bitcoin does not have to do that because it's truly decentralized. No government can touch it. 
that's what decentralization is. It's about making the ba the bankless banked in a system where the government would take it over, but they can't because it's Bitcoin. You can't take over Bitcoin because it's decentralized. You could take over Ethereum. You could set regulations against Ethereum. That's the point of decentralization. It's not about democratization of decisions for a company. It's about democratization of a system being able to work. Well, I'm going to say one thing. Apple's been around for a lot longer than Ethereum. Ethereum has been around for what, six, seven years. So compared to Apple, the lifetime is significantly smaller. And just the growth of Ethereum in a short period of time is substantial. And what, what you need to also realize is the amount of developers that are building using the Solidity code, which is the language to build on Ethereum. The amount of a uh, developer ecosystem on Ethereum just outpaces every single layer one and it's not even close. So what that means, exactly. developers are choosing Ethereum to build, uh, you know, decentralized applications that will be used by the common man. No, though, Solidity is centralized. Solidity is. Well, oh, well, let him finish. Let him finish. Let him finish. They're building a lot of apps. So when you see that the modern developer ecosystem that are building these apps on Ethereum, you know, granted Ethereum's been around the longest, and there's sure there's you know faster and cheaper layer ones to use, but the fact is Ethereum is the most popular right now. So to say Ethereum is is just not going to be around is, is is ludicrous. I mean, you just I don't gotta think look it's not going to be around. I just don't think it's the answer. Well, if developers are choosing, so it's the answer we have now. So developers are choosing developers that build like Web two apps that are, that are like famous developers, and they're choosing on Solidity. That speaks volumes. They're not building on Rust, which is what to build Solana. Yeah, there's a lot of developers on Solana using Rust, but Solidity is outpacing everything by a long shot. Exactly. And okay, let me ask you this, Perry. So, what can Bitcoin do that ETH can't? And what well, can ETH do that their, Bitcoin can? Their models are completely different, right? Bitcoin is supposed to be a store of value. It's decentralized. It's supposed to provide value to people who have like ridiculous inflation in their countries. It's supposed to provide value to us where when we're having ridiculous inf inflation right now. It's not meant to be built upon. It's not meant to be apps created on top of it. That's not what it's for. Sure, Ethereum is great to build on, totally. It's a great technology. It's great for tech innovation. Bitcoin is financial innovation. That's the difference. But how are you going to get the bankless to buy Bitcoin, right? Like I understand that people have I, you buy iPhones stock. and stuff. You stack your sats. Yeah. Like yeah, but hold on. My question is, so majority of people in the world, I think it's 90% of all people in the world have smartphones. So they have access to like Facebook, social media, which will be decentralized applications that Ethereum or Solana developers are building. How are they going to buy? They, they could download these apps and use mm -hmm. them. But how are they going to down? How are they going to buy Bitcoin? Like, how do you get Bitcoin to these places? Like, and make it an actual payment system? Because, you know, I, Cash, you, don't need internet you, for Bitcoin. you don't need internet for Bitcoin. You need the internet for Ethereum. You need internet to access a wallet that's going to accept Bitcoin. What do you mean? Of course, if you the do. internet goes off, no, of you don't need to. Use so, it. No, no, you can do it off. Bitcoin. The only way for Bitcoin to stop working is if you shut down the internet and destroy all the miners. If the internet goes out, Bitcoin is fucked. Like there, there's no yeah. Bitcoin without that. No. Of course. You, what do you mean? No. Where's Bitcoin here? I can't have it in Hold my on. tissue box. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Well, I'm telling you, like that, that that's the biggest concern. Like in the governments, unfortunately, you know, they, there's a kill switch, you know, to shut down the internet, which I don't think will happen. But in the case that it actually does happen, Bitcoin's fucked. Bitcoin will not be existing. If the internet goes out, of course you need internet, Grizo. No, you don't. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. 
I'm pulling up receipts. Should, should we put a quick bet on this? Like, uh, let's let's make let's make the stakes high here. If uh, you don't need internet, yeah. All right. Well, if no, Parisa buys somebody a little pudgy and gives it away to Seed Brave audience. If yes, I'll do it. Fine, 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 fine. I'm I'm trying to pull up a good article about this because it's just a fact. Like in the Bitcoin community, it's always talked about how you don't need the internet for Bitcoin to survive. If the internet goes down for any altcoin, they're fucked. Most lucrative side hustle in crypto right now. Do you guys have any idea what it is? I think Alex may. Most lucrative side hustle in in the crypto space. Yes, right now. Honestly, I would say content creation in crypto. I, that's the only thing that no. comes to mind. Hey, that's a good one. That's a good one, but it's far off. Okay, so nobody talks about this, but obviously it's the most straightforward, straightforward one. We've seen it in the last bull run. We've seen it in the last bear run as well, and it's happening again. If you're a small investor right now that has no money or very little money to invest into crypto, but you want to make a good amount of money, then the best way to do it is airdrops, free airdrops. We just seen OP, right? One of the hottest coins, literally do like a 6X, and it was a free airdrop. The way you got it, was you did research on websites like Airdrops.io, DeFi Airdrops on Twitter, right? And all you had to do was go ahead and find these specific tokens that are launching, that are incentivizing brand new people to use their product and get rewarded for using those products. And that's usually how Airdrops happen. A new coin launches and they say, hey, we're launching, we don't have any holders yet. So if you guys help us do X, Y, and Z, we're gonna go ahead and send you free tokens. And if they do enough of that, then obviously those tokens take off. Now, obviously, like anything else in crypto, there's fake airdrops, there's scam airdrops, so on and so forth. But the wet, the some of the hottest airdrops that happened before, like Uniswap, it was an airdrop, one inch, looks rare. ENS, that was an airdrop as well. It ran up all the way up to like $65 at one point. People got it for free, right? So one of the best things you guys could look at right now is obviously trying to find some of the best upcoming airdrops that you can go ahead and maximize on. All you have to do is you put $100 into their wallet, you finish up tasks that they give you some anywhere between setting up a wallet, uh, setting up an account, so on and so forth. You take that money out and you just wait until you get the airdrop. Some of the hottest airdrops I'm looking at right now are Arbitrum, ZK Sync, Starknet, Hop, Aztec, and a few more, but again, Airdrops, lucrative opportunity, take zero money up front to generate, and you can go ahead and do a lot with it. My question for you is how do you find these airdrops? Like how do you, for our community, what would you say is a good resource to be able to find these airdrops so they could, you know, look for themselves and, you know, find potential stuff that could yield them money, like you said, like that is really, you know, the barrier of entries is, is pretty uh, easy to get into. The number one spot would be our newsletter. Second, obviously go to websites like airdrops.io and DeFi airdrops on Twitter. And just following those two accounts, obviously learning how to identify good coins from bad coins, good teams from bad teams, and just seeing what the community is saying about those specific companies that are coming up and just being able to make educated decisions based off that. And if you're just getting started and you have nothing to lose, then go ahead and sign up for every airdrop possible. Yeah, that's actually one thing I've, I've, I haven't really taken advantage of is airdrops. You know, I, I missed the boat on a lot of... Uh different airdrops and uh this is definitely something uh, even for myself i'm going to start incorporating these sites because uh, i definitely uh, missed the boat on a good bit and i don't want to miss the boat anymore you're welcome just make sure you send me a commission uh, how, how much you how much you want sir five ten percent two percent whatever whatever you can man it's all good Shout okay, out hold to on. Let's, let's go back to uh parisa internet or no internet uh, are you ready i'm ready
Bitcoin is the only protocol that can be sent over SMS, broadcast signals, and Wi-Fi broadcast. That's internet. So if your internet's down, no, Wi-Fi it's not. Wi-Fi broadcast, telecom, that's internet. What do you mean? That's not internet. It's a form of internet. <laughs> it's, no, it's a form of broadcasting certain waves to another receiver. That's It's like radio. That's not radio. <laughs> All right. Do you need internet to use Bitcoin? I Googled delivering Bitcoin transactions. Yes, overall. You don't, like, if you're trying to send Bitcoin, you don't need internet because you can go ahead and text somebody maybe or text a service that Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the service that's actually sending the Bitcoin needs it. It's not like you text a 1-800-Bitcoin, send me X on Bitcoin to this guy. Yes, 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 yes. The hash rate would go down a lot. Security would go down a lot if the internet was shut off on Bitcoin. But it's the only chain where you can still deliver value to someone else without using internet. The only one. Can Ethereum do that? No. But hold on. Don't you want, like, doesn't Bitcoin, like you being a Bitcoin maxi, doesn't Bitcoin pride itself in being the ultimate security? It's unhackable. And you just said the security will go down without internet. Isn't that the concern of it now? Like, well, you need if there's it. lower hash rates, that's just that's just logical. If there's lower hash rates, of course the security is going to go down. We're talking about a doomsday situation when there, the internet is shut off in the world. I think it's possible. It's Ethereum been crazy the last years. We've had a pandemic. You know, anything is possible. You know, like how can you say? You know, I don't, I don't count anything out anymore. No one thought there was going to be a pandemic and the world would be shut down and everything. You know, we'd have to wear masks and everywhere in public. Like no one thought that would ever be in our lifetime. So that's also also not true. That's also not true because there's a pandemic every hundred years, and this is a known fact to historians in the medical field. Every hundred years, there's a pandemic. The last one was the fucking Spanish flu. Like, come on, there's one that happens every hundred years. We saw this coming. It's just like maybe your media outlet didn't talk about it. That's not how they. (laughs) We did not see this coming. Yeah, we did. We knew there's so many people warning about a pandemic coming because the hundred years was coming up. Every hundred years in human history, there's a pandemic. That's a fact. Why was no country prepared for it? I I believe you, Parisa, that, you know, but, you know, Bill Gates, actually, in 2006, Bill Gates told the United States government that that we need to prepare for a pandemic. Our healthcare infrastructure is not ready to handle a pandemic. There's one coming because there's a clock ticking. So we need to prepare and no one listened. Just because no one listened doesn't mean no one's saying it. People were saying it. People were warning about a pandemic coming. No one listened. That's the difference. All right, so back to my original point. I don't think the internet being shut down is. I, I can see it happening, even though it's it's unlikely. I wouldn't be like surprised. I wouldn't rule it out. And secondly, uh, everyone who's watching Presa has a crystal ball. So if you have any questions or inquiries, <laughs> Presa LLC. She will read you your uh, future. She knows she's a crystal ball, very valid. Check it out. Oh, so I think this is a good episode. I think we can wrap it up. We had a nice little debate, talked about some cool things. What do you guys think? Anything else? Parisa, w- w- what's happening in the next six months? Hey. I want to know. <laughs> Any more questions? I'll tell, you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's happening in the next six months. Bitcoin is going to drop to 10K. Good. ETH, you're going to see a lot of money flooding out of ETH into other altcoins. I don't um, think you know how And this I works. think the recession. What? No, keep going. Keep going. The recession. I do. I do. The whole chain is like, if Bitcoin's pumping, 
then ETH will pump a little bit after, then the other altcoins will pump a little bit after. If Bitcoin drops to 10K, money's leaving Bitcoin. It's going to go to ETH. Then it's going to leave ETH. It's going to go to other altcoins. That's what I'm predicting. That money is going to flow from Bitcoin to ETH down to other altcoins as the prices keep dropping. That's how money flows in this industry. And my other prediction is that we're either going to have World War III <laughs> because of Russia and Ukraine and the energy crisis in the EU. Unlikely, but that's one option. The other option is the world gives in to Vladimir Putin. We give him what he wants because Europe can't be self-sufficient on its energy. And people are going to be like, I'd rather be warm in the winter than fight for a war that actually has nothing to do with me. And that's going to see a huge impact on the markets. All right. You guys heard it here first. Parisa said it. Not financial advice. Could be a crystal ball reading. Could be facts. Only way to tell is come back here in six months. Besides that, great episode. Make sure you guys drop a like, drop a comment. Let us know what you guys want to talk about. Uh, and make sure you share everything but your seed phrase. See you guys on the next episode. Peace. Yeah.